This is the Alone With Our Principles podcast, episode 28, I Lost to an Eight-Year-Old. On this episode, Carrie and Eric are still on vacation, so I took the opportunity to talk to a few folks from the Model Schools Conference in Nashville, Tennessee. I was there uh, last week, and it was really, really amazing. Got to hear some great presentations and also some presenters from various model schools around the country. So on this episode, you'll hear from Chris Hawkersmith, Megan Gear, and Amber Steele from Deckard Elementary School in Deckard, Tennessee. You'll also hear from Tom and Don Flax from Ness City Junior and Senior High in Ness City, Kansas. And Boyd Marley and Kelly Thornhill, the administrators from East End Community School in Portland, Maine. Alone with Our Principles is unofficially sponsored by Chanel and SeaWorld. They give you a true sense of porpoise. Don't mess with the bully, young man. You'll get the horns. You've got a real attitude problem, McFly. You're a slacker. So far this semester, he has been absent nine times. I'm the principal, man. All right, well, we're here at the Model Schools Conference in Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm with Megan and Amber and Chris from Deckard Elementary School in Deckard, Tennessee. Welcome. Good afternoon. So what I'd like to talk to you all about is um, your school. Uh, I was at your presentation yesterday where you talked about a lot of the great things uh, that you do, but I think our listeners would love to hear it from you. So, Mr. Hawkinsmith, why don't you start out? Well, we'll start out about what, what's the main focus you would like for me to uh, just, just kind of what you talked about, uh, about building uh, positivity and culture at your school. Well, one of the main important aspects of our school, and initially we've got to have a good culture, climate, and morale. And you do that, as uh, uh, talked about in the presentation, through the relationships that you uh, form at the schools with the kids and with the teachers and with the staff. So it all starts with the connections and the relationships in the schools to build that foundation of a good culture and morale in the school. And now, uh, what's your role, Megan? What do you do at this school? I'm Chris's assistant principal, so okay. we work together to help build the relationships with the teachers and the kiddos. and just help move things along and make the world go around at Deckard. And what's the one thing that you've seen Chris do during his time there that he would consider to be the most embarrassing that he wouldn't want you to tell us about? Ooh, that's a good one. Mm, that's that's kind of hard. Most embarrassing thing. Most embarrassing thing. What do you think, Either one of you. The most embarrassing thing Chris has probably done. Every day he walks in the building, he does something embarrassing. <laughs> His announcements are about an hour long every morning, um, so that's pretty embarrassing because we're on the radio every morning. Every 10 minutes. Nothing wrong with that. I did ride a tricycle with a football helmet on. Oh, tell us about that. We had a sight work contest with the kids, and the winner of the sight work contest got to race me on a tricycle. So I put my football helmet on, and we raced down the hallway, and... I lost to an eight-year-old, so that was embarrassing. And you got duct taped to the wall. That was the best. I was duct taped to a wall and we for a fundraiser, and I don't know if anyone listening has ever been duct taped to a wall, but when you begin to slide down, the clothes stay, and you don't. You begin to slide down, so 
it tightens up in a lot of locations and begins, <laughs> it, it gets painful. So yeah, that was pretty embarrassing being duct taped to the wall. Well, I could tell from your presentation that you and I have a lot in common with what we do. I also have been duct taped to the wall and shared that very similar experience. Yes. Uh, and what kind of resonated with me uh, in your presentation when you showed the ugly sweater contest and one of your teachers had an ugly sweater where you were the focus of that sweater. It was your picture on the sweater. Exactly. I had that same experience, except it was a kindergartner uh, that came to school and she was so proud to have her sweater with my picture smack in the middle of this Christmas sweater. <laughs> and what got me about it was, obviously this was a five-year-old. Her parents were completely on board with this. So they went to our website, copied my picture and did all of that. Now, uh, Amber, what's your role at the school at Deckard? I am a fourth grade ELA teacher and also our STEM coordinator at school. And what's your favorite part of your job? Oh, I love my students. My students are the heart at Deckard, and that's the reason all of us come to work every day. It's just for our babies. And tell, uh, tell us a little bit about, I, I know that uh, your principal and assistant principal really are, are bought into this, creating a positive culture. How does that trickle down to the teaching staff? Oh, if we feel happy at work, we're definitely going to push that out onto our students so our students are feeling loved and happy. So it's not only you have to make your students feel comfortable, you have to make your teachers feel comfortable and that they're appreciated every day. So not only do we love on our students, we love on our teachers. All right, and Megan, you're the assistant principal. And now if, if Chris has told you anything like I tell my assistant principal, the number one thing on your job description is to make him look good. Yes. What are some of the things that you do to do that? And then how do you support him in building a positive culture? Um, so some of the things I do to make him look good, um, some data, I run all the data for the school. I have data meetings with all of our teachers to kind of see where our kiddos are and, you know, how they're doing and what improvements we can make to, to make the data look better, which makes him look good. Our organization, um, I do most of the schedules and things like that. And we've, we've gotten creative this year with some scheduling and, changing things around and it also makes him look good um our school events i plan all of our school events all that google stuff all the google stuff we're all google stuff now and what all, i don't know what all google stuff she does we have a google classroom and all of our um information that needs to go out to our teachers it goes out through google classroom our plc notes are taken through our google classroom so i sign it they put it through on Google Classroom, we can look at it there. Um, so we've got super Google, but I didn't know a whole lot about that kind of stuff. Right. And she does, and since I'm the principal, I get credit for it. <laughs> That's right. So, yeah, she makes me look good. I've always thought the principal of the school is like the quarterback of a football team. We get too much credit when things are going good and too much blame when it goes south. Exactly. <laughs> That's the trade-off is when the mad parent comes in, they're looking for me. That's right. Nobody has to come. Can I see the assistant <laughs> principal? <laughs> no, they don't. we don't want to see. We go straight to the top. Yeah. Apparently, I'm the top. I don't know. I look around sometimes, <laughs> but I'm, I'm the top, apparently. <laughs> All right, Chris, what are you most proud of your school? Uh, the, uh, the changes we've made and the... Uh, creativity and the, the shift that the teachers have made in and just getting on board with this whole changing that has come about since I started and uh, the motivation and the culture, the climate, the morale changes and the things, you know, we, we're working on becoming STEM designated. So we've had to uh, change the way that we think, teach uh, with our hands-on teaching and and learning and so forth so there's been a lot of changes so I'm most proud of the teachers for getting on board and you know 
the result of that is we became a model school. And that is not because of anything I did alone. It had to come because of a, I had an entire staff that was on board and backed me up on everything. So yeah, I'm proud of them for jumping on board and surpassing anything that I could have imagined we could have accomplished by now. I never thought I'd be here presenting five years ago. I just came in to do my best to turn the school around and now look where we are. So I can't take credit for that. I have to give all the credit to the staff on that. All right, well, thanks all of you for taking your time uh, to talk to us today. And like I said, I really enjoyed your presentation. You guys did a great job. So thank you very much. Thank you. Can't be funny and be the principal of a prep school. All right, so I'm here with uh, Tom and Don Flax. I'll let them tell uh, about themselves and their school. So, Tom, why don't you start? What school are you from and where are you located? All right, from western Kansas, a little town called Nest City, Kansas. Um, and I'm the high school principal there, junior high and high school principal there at Nest City Junior Senior High, which is a grade 7 through 12. Uh, I'm Don. Uh, I teach high school social studies. I teach world history to... 10th graders and American government to seniors and then I'm also the ESL director for uh, K-12 in the district so it's a small district we okay. have what 300 okay pre-k-12 about 330 about 340 kids pre-k-12 uh, in the 712 building where it will will go somewhere between 145 to 150 uh, which a grade level will, will be around 25 to 30 now, what are some of the, because to me, I mean, I teach, or I'm a principal at an elementary school where we have 650 kids, uh, just K-6. So when I hear 7 through 12 with 25 kids per grade level, um, part of me thinks that's got to be awesome. And part of me thinks that's got to be a lot of challenges. So what are the pros and cons of having such a small school setting? Uh, you know, I, I guess I'll start with the pros. I say, uh, and been there long enough, this will be starting year number 15 here in the city but you know each kid so you know each family um for the most part i mean we we do have a little bit of transient enrollment in and out but um but the majority of of uh our students are are you know there's a connection to the area uh and and so you you learn their families you learn you know maybe more than what <laughs> Some people would like right, yeah. because because it's it, it's it's that small town. I mean, so you know, I mean, there there are no secrets um, of of people like that. Right. But um, but uh, you know, the it's just a wide variety of challenges that you see. And individual students. Man, but, Don, uh, what do you think? Um, you know, what are some of the advantages and, and, and I don't want to say disadvantages, challenges uh, that you have from the teaching perspective? I like, like Tom said, the relationships that we build are like they're solid. You know, like we've heard a lot about relationships throughout the, the last couple of days, and I and I think to myself, I've got those. But it's easy because I know every single kid, and I have had them. Tenth grade, I'll have them, in, in you know, and then I'm a, a sponsor of different. A, clubs okay. and a couple different clubs like student council and so you get to know them and so the relationships are solid and i know that yeah, i don't connect with every kid but i know that there's a teacher in the district that does okay. you know so that's pretty cool the challenge is like tom said too sometimes you know too much and they know too much <laughs> about you right yeah. um and then but another challenge that i see is sometimes i'll find like activities of like, oh man that sounds so cool but you need like 20 30 kids to do it in your class and i've got like eight you know per class or 10 and it's just it's hard so to bring some of those down um you know some to where they'll i I can't do some things just because we're so small um you know i have to modify it a lot 
and it just kind of takes some of the oomph away from the activity. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. Okay. And, and now at the, at the high school level, um, I'm thinking I'm a sports guy. So right. when you're talking about such a small class, um, how how do you compete in like high school sports? Uh, what's what's that look like? Well, I mean. We'll talk sports activities. You know, our, our kids do get very active for the most part. Uh, they're active, uh, but that's probably one of our downfalls too. Is we don't have a wide variety of offerings, and I'm just not talking sports, but maybe for all activities to get every kid a connection. And so that that that's probably one of the downfalls. But we do have. I mean, like say uh, in the fall here, we'll we'll have cross country for boys and girls. We'll have. Uh, high school volleyball for girls and then we'll have football which is an eight-man football okay. in, in western school yeah. can not not the not the traditional 11 man even though we have 11 man in kansas um we, we play in the eight-man division um in kansas there's about 100 schools that play eight man okay. in the state of kansas and they're broken into different divisions division one division two um and then they're uh, actually, Kansas, we're probably a little bit too many classifications when it comes to football. But then there's five classes of 11 man. And then there's actually even a new class that's beginning because, believe it or not, there's schools that are smaller than us. Wow. In Kansas. <laughs> and there's a six-man division. Okay. There's a six-man division amongst some schools that are I think are I played six-man football when I was growing up, just touch football in the street, six yeah, on six. Yeah, right. It's <laughs> like I've, basketball with a, a football. Yeah, I've actually watched a, a, a couple six-man games here in the last few years, and, and it's – is it the same size field or they play on a smaller uh, field? Uh, it is a little bit smaller. Eight man okay. and six man both play on an 80 80 yard field rather than 100. Okay. So there's no 50 yard line. I was going to say, if you have one fast kid, speed definitely is uh, is critical there. Yeah. Uh, you know, wintertime, our sports, we have basketball. Uh, there is no wrestling, there is no other in type indoor you know winters are pretty harsh in kansas um but it's just we, we that's all we have at our school is 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 basketball for and then the spring sports we have uh track and field we have golf and we have uh, uh girls softball okay that sounds um, interesting that, so yeah, yeah, so that's our, our sports uh you know we do have some other activities we you know we we, we put a school play on once a year um and just Wait, kind of open up audition year. for Are the we high able school to do that during the pandemic? Did you, were you able to do that, the play at all? Uh, we we like did that? do the play this last year, believe it or not. We um, we did somewhat limit the crowd. Mm-hmm. We had okay. to because it was right at a time when in our area the, the we had some caseloads yeah. that got pretty high there right in that November is when we put that, that play on. But So we had to limit the, the, the crowd to like, uh, I don't remember if it was like two or four people per for showing per actor okay. you know they, they oh, would have you, it you know you. so yeah. we can spread everybody yeah, out in, the, in there but uh, we have um I, I, quiz bowl i'm not quiz sure exactly bowl. yeah, yeah. Uh, i don't know yeah. if, I, if, if, if you know correlate that to other states uh, yeah we have something in our district called clue me in where um the kids read us uh, a set of books and then they have to answer questions as teams on the specific books it's pretty fascinating wow. so it sounds like it's kind of the same thing okay. wow. so as we wrap up here don why don't you tell us um what about your school and your district are you most proud of there's a lot of, I mean, I'm just sitting here because there's so many yeah. things that I am proud of. We're, we try to be um, pretty innovative. We're not chasing after the next new thing, Okay. you know, yeah. but we do, we do try to make things keep current and keep things interesting for the kids. Um, and, and so they're learning and they're learning like life skills, you know, not just the content, but right. You know all these things that we're talking about here. Well, and this in week. such a small community with the relationships, that that seems like right. you know that's always going to be more important yeah. than the content anyway. But it one is. leads to the other, so yeah. that sounds great. And one of the one of the downfalls of a small community in Western Kansas um, is that change is hard. 
you oh, know? Yeah. <laughs> and so, so, you know, we talk about like we, a few years ago, we were trying to kind of do PBL in our building or in our, in our district. And we had some pushback from parents because that's not how kids learn. Right. Yeah. And so that's, that's one of the challenges, but you know, we, we do the best you know, we have to do what we can to fill those gaps. And so, or not fill the gaps, but so we're going to do PBL, but we're going to, you know, try to bring it to a point where our community gets it and our kids are learning. Well, but, but no, it, it, and it, and it does seem like if you get, uh, you know, two or three parents that aren't on board with what you're right. doing, they can have a lot more influence in a small community than they would like in a bigger oh, city. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you hit that on the head. Yeah. That, Cause, cause I mean, exactly. the, the city where, where I work, it's about a hundred thousand people in the community. So two or three disgruntled parents, don't get me wrong. They're going to be, they're, they're going to have influence, mm-hmm. but yeah, in a small community, you get three yeah. or four riled up and that can yeah. spread really quick. Yeah. But we try, I mean, we, do we do our we we do the best that we can for our kids you know and and make learning you know we don't want them to hate coming to school so sure you know we have like our our wood shop our woods teachers the last few years they built a tiny house every year oh that's awesome you know so <laughs> and then they've sold it and they've made money on it and they get to continue to do that and so you know it's activities like that um that I, you know, we're we're pretty proud of. There, there are really good things going on in our district. And what about you, Tom? What are you most proud of at your school? Well, uh, you know, the I, I think we're slowly opening up. You know, necessity to more of the world, and I say that because I, you know, I, I don't know if uh, majority of our kids don't leave the area right. when they leave Nestity High School, uh, but we are hopefully trying to build. I guess avenues for people to explore and get out. And I'm not saying that people just don't leave, but I mean, they they just don't leave the area too much. But I think um, you know our our technology is is good, Mm -hmm. and so I'm hoping that we're you know that we're bridging outside, and and kids are able to see more what's outside of Ness County, what's outside of the state of Kansas, uh, that there are opportunities, and they're not going to be behind. Like say, we're we're one to one, where you know our kids are up on the technology they can you know communicate with with the outside world but i, I i'm hoping that we're slowly getting i think we're just trying to grow their world yeah you know yeah. i mean because we're so we're rural the nearest walmart is like 60 miles away right okay so i mean we're pretty let's you know we're there that's just that's our world yeah. right oh, there I see what you're saying though it's important to get them connected right. to the outside yeah. uh, so that they see the bigger yeah. picture for sure the big and new ideas and and you know yeah. maybe th- seeing things from somebody else's point of view yeah but it, I, I would say that but coming back to that question the most proud thing is for our small size so we do provide I think some ample opportunities yes. like say you know she hit on a little bit about the industrial arts we have a boag department which obviously our our economy in our nest county is going to be oil and agriculture that is that's what drives everything for our local economy uh, but you know we also have uh, opportunities in in starting in, in, in the business and compute computing uh, music we have I, I think we have you know we're still able to hopefully provide, provide a lot experience anyway yeah. and for our, for our students anyway as they come through you know you hear schools getting rid of music and band and um you know some of those things and we still have them and you know 
we think it's important to of give course. the kids, yeah, all the kids, you know, it's not just about sports, even though sports are important in our yeah. school. I'm not going to lie. Um, but it's, we, we provide. Well, it's good to have the well-rounded mm-hmm. experience, you know, and, and to be able to build on that and, and to help your kids connect to the outside mm-hmm. world um, beyond Nest City. So, yeah. all right. Well, thank you for talking to me today. I really appreciate it. And it was great meeting you. Of course. Thank you. All appreciate right. it. Thanks. Thanks. Nice meeting nice you. Meeting you. We sink, we swim, we rise, we fall, we meet our fate together. All right, so I'm here still at the Model Schools Conference in Nashville, Tennessee, and right now I'm talking with Boyd Marley and Kelly Thornhill, uh, who are the administrators at East End Community School in Portland, Maine. So thank you for talking with, with me this morning. Thank you, Chris. It's been great being at Model Schools. Yeah, thanks for having us. Uh, so uh, what are you most proud of at East End Community? First of all, what grade levels do you serve? And then, of course, what are you most proud of? Sure. Um, so we're about 430 students, uh, pre-K through 5th. Um, what are we most proud of? I think the culture and the sense of community in our school. I think if you come in our doors, um, we talked about this in our uh, slideshow, but um, you'll hear many languages from around the world. We have about 55% of our students are newcomers, are, are multilingual. Um, and you hear a lot of laughter. I, I, I share a little bit. I didn't share it today, but um, I hated school. I was not a great student. I struggled, had reading supports. Um, and so when I was a special ed teacher and now as an administrator, um, I wanted the school to kind of be a place where kids wanted to come and families wanted to be. So that's what I'm most proud of, Kelly. Yeah, I would agree with you, Boyd, that, you know, we're, it's a very welcoming school. It's a very welcoming place. Teachers want to be there. Yes. Students want to be there. Parents want to be there. And, you know, there is. There's a lot of smiling. There's a lot of, there's a lot of joy there. Um, but I, I would say, you know, what I'm most proud of is, is the students and, you know, the growth that we're making and just being able to greet every student and see their joy of learning. Now, as, um, as a participant in your session, uh, I was really um, inspired by what you call the Rise and Shine program. And it was something that I wrote in my notes to, to say that, you know, this is something I would like to start at our school uh, over time once we develop it with our staff. Uh, what are some of the things that you do for that? First of all, tell our listeners what that is and then how it's impacted your school. I'll start with you, Kelly. Sure. So Rise and Shine, uh, we have our Rise and Shine coordinators, Dan Nogar and Marge Queen. And it's been in place for about 10 years yes. or 7 it to 10 prior years. prior to us joining as Right. And, you know, it was really, it was implemented because we were having a problem that students were getting to school about a half an hour before teachers were on duty. So there was a lot of unstructured time for our students. And an idea that was sparked here at ICLE was that we wanted students to get, to get off of the bus and they go to an activity that they've chosen. So there's voice and choice um, with an, with the, um, an engaging adult. Thank you. Adult. An engaging <laughs> and charismatic adult and, an, and, and something that's really engaging. So they kind of talk about it as dessert first. So you're starting your day with something that's really exciting and engaging to get them ready for learning for the rest of the day. And, and the piece is um, it, it just puts students in a positive mood state as hell. They, they phrased it when I first started at school, which is like, they come in, they get to pick this activity, they get settled, everyone's sort of co-regulated. We talked about that in our presentation about the adults and students co-regulating. And then you go off to start your day of learning. So it's been very successful. Um, it's fairly large now, but just like any school that wanted to start it, um, you want to start it small. What are the passions of staff that they want to share? I jokingly, I, I always kid Miss uh, Thornhill, she loves karaoke. She's a ham. And she All right, what's karaoke. your go-to song? Um, don't Stop Believing. Of course. Yes. All right. That, right. I mean, I, I think that right. I also enjoy a little Total Eclipse of the Heart. Okay. Not everybody yeah. else enjoys it because it's, it's a long yeah, song. Right. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to do like American Pie or something <laughs> right, like that right, that right, goes right. on forever and ever. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> 
Uh, so, um, like you said, um, the teachers really get to decide what, uh, what the activities are. Uh, and give us a couple of examples what activities are your students engaged in. Sure. Yeah. So um, things as simple as like mileage club. We have some teachers like to do walking in the morning to like okay. bring students along with them. Um, crocheting is another one. Chess. Um, there's six different strands, everything from literacy to STEM to languages to citizenship to creative outlets, performance. We have, before COVID, we had like an 80-person glee club. Okay. So we had others that liked to sing. So, yeah, it's not, but it's not just staff that get to choose. Um, students can actually propose um, suggestions. Oh, so what a great idea. A yeah, comic book yeah, club came out of that. They wanted to learn how to draw comic books, and we have a really good ed tech who's an artist, Reg Kinney. Um, and he's done some of that in the past. And what percentage of your students participate in Rise and Shine? It's our third through fifth grade students. And that's all of the kids do it? I, all of the third through fifth yeah, grade. So right, right, right. Yeah, so about half the school. Okay, yeah. wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Now, now, if I can make a suggestion, sure. um, I know that, that you're in New England, uh, so I think there would be a need for New York Yankees appreciation. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, so Chris has shared that, uh, that Yankees may be a team that he likes. No, um, I even speak to parents about if they wear Yankees hats. It's a Red Sox only school. <laughs> that's so. funny because I've told our kids that it's Yankees only school and I have been known on more than one occasion to make kids turn Red Sox shirts inside out um, actually in, uh, last year I had a student show up uh, in a Jose Altuve jersey uh, from the Houston Astros of course and and, and that's a real no-no no, he had to stay in for all of his recesses that day <laughs> oh. because he refused to take the jersey off. <laughs> right. Uh, so now um, being selected as a model school, I'm sure that's a source of pride for you. How did you react when, first of all, what was the process for that? And how did you react when you were notified? And how did that impact your staff and community? Sure. So um, we, you, do an interview, you do a video. It's like a 15-minute okay. long video where you share kind of like what your presentation would be like. And they ask you to do a quad D activity um, at the end. Um, I guess after they look at the videos, then goes to a next step where they do an interview process. Um, and then after that, you know, you're determined. Unfortunately, um, we didn't have enough time to do a lot of fundraising from the time that we got picked. I think we decided it was like February something to now. Yeah. So we couldn't bring as many staff as we'd okay. like. So, you know, our goal is hopefully to return. Um, and bring more staff because I think it's more representative of all the, the work yeah. that the community does, the staff community yeah, does. Definitely. All right. Well, thank you for your time this morning. I really, really appreciate you talking to us right now. And, um, thank, and congratulations again on being a model school. Yeah, thank you so much. Nice to meet you, Chris. Have a great year. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Please take a minute to rate, review, and subscribe to Alone With Our Principles podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. For more content, including videos and contests, or if you have questions or suggestions for us, you can follow us on our Facebook page. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, this is Carrie, and on behalf of Chris and Eric, we hope you'll remember the words of the great philosopher Ferris Bueller, who once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop to look around once in a while, you could miss it. You're still here? It's over. Go home.